Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. As we've been going through this week um, and going through this, this, uh, this amazing theme of understanding the favor of God, I've been really impacted by this one verse that I want to read out to you. And there was a, a preacher called Lance Wallnau, and he preached on this very platform a couple of years ago, and he said this, whatever you can measure, you can manage. And why are we talking about favor? I feel this is what God wants to say. Whatever you can identify, you can increase in. And I want us to be a people that know how to walk in the favor that comes from God. Anna spoke a little bit last week about a guy called uh, Joseph. And his, what did favor look like for him? He had this most beautiful coat. And it was easy to identify favor because his father so made him the favorite that he gave him the best clothes. I don't know if you've ever been in situations where you wondered, what, what do you mean? What does it look like to be favored? Until so you see something happening. Maybe one person getting promotions ahead of other people. Maybe one person in the family getting offered bigger meal portions as a kid because that's favor. You know, whatever it is, God wants to pour favor upon us. And if we can identify it, then we know what it is to increase in it. And I want us to be a people that when we go out from here, when you go to your families, you go to your schools or your colleges, you go to your workplaces, you go to your shops and your businesses, people walk in and say, what is it about this place? Something smells good here. Something feels good here because God's favor has gone upon you. What is it about when you deal with relationships with your family? I just see like some, there's something different. What, what's so special about you? What's going on in your life? And you can say, it's the favor of God because we're going to increase in that. Amen? Anyone want to pour a glass of the Lord's goodness on their life in that? Lord, give me that favor. So here is this scripture. Moses is blessing the people of God and he blesses them with the waters from the mountains. There it is again, the waters. He blesses them with the waters that spring up from underneath. He blesses them with the, the goodness of the sun and the goodness of the moon and all the seasons. He blesses them with fruitfulness in the land. And it's just the most amazing words of blessing that God wants to put upon our lives. And when he comes to culminate this prayer, when he comes to the finale, when he comes to the cherry on the cake, the icing on the top, the most important bit of all of these blessings that he's pouring upon his people. He ends with this. In Deuteronomy chapter 33, I'll read it to you so you don't have to read it. Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 16. And he ends this prayer of blessing with this. And the favor of him who dwelt in the burning bush. When he's blessing the people of God, he wants to bless them with the favor of him. The one, God Almighty, who dwelt in the burning bush. And it got me thinking, Lord, what is the favor of the one who dwells in the burning bush? So turn with me in your Bibles. We're going to read from the book of Exodus, chapter 3, just 12 verses. What was that favor that Moses was talking of? What was it that he had experienced that he wanted to give to the people in his life? It was actually his parting prayer. You know, they say that... Um, there's a saying, famous last words. 
the last things that you remembered for. If Moses wanted to be remembered for anything, it was these blessings that he left on the people. The favor of him who dwelt in the burning bush. So are you there? Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness to come to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not yet consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight. Why is the bush not burnt up? When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, mark that down. The Lord was watching Moses, watching him. When the Lord saw, the Lord looks, the Lord watches, the Lord is present, the Lord is attentive, the Lord turns his eyes upon us. That astounds me, that God would be wanting uh, to see what our response would be. Lord, see the response of our heart this morning. The Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, and God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he replied, here I am. Then he said, do not come near here. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He also said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the afflictions of my people who are in Egypt. They have given, and I have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. For I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place where the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Pezzarite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore come now. And I will send you to Pharaoh, so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with you, and this will be a sign that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God, worship me on this mountain. Certainly I will be with you. If we're going to identify what favor looks like in our lives, there's a couple of points I want to make. And there's a couple of things. I'm not just making a point here. I'm saying that also right now, just as God spoke to Moses and God was watching to see what Moses' response would be. God is here today watching to see what our response is. It's no coincidence that you're here. There is a moment of opportunity that we can all step into as well. And the first thing is this. There is a favor of being chosen. I don't know how many of you guys ever have played a game of rounders or, or um, baseball or maybe football and you've gone in the park on a sunny Saturday afternoon with your family and, and a couple of the people and, or even with the church family and you say, let's play a game of football. And the first thing you need is you need someone to set out the teams. And normally you choose two captains and one of them will start picking people. And obviously, normally the people who knows their names, they get chosen first, Right. Or the people who they know, they're really good at football. They get chosen first. And it's such a joy to get chosen, isn't it? 
And you'd never want to be that one last person who's the last to be chosen. Have you ever been in that situation? You feel like, oh man, please pick me, please pick me. And, and by the time you, you feel like I might be the last one, you even sort of wonder, do I even want to play this game of football? Do, I, do, do they really want me? Let me tell you, God has chosen you. God wants you. God has invited you. There is a favor that comes first and foremost with that, that God actually wants to choose us. Here we are thinking, I'm coming to church this morning to be in the house of God, and God's rubbing his hands thinking, I've chosen you. You don't know what I've got saved up for you. You don't know what I've got stored up for you. There is freedom. There is blessing. There is breakthrough. There is hope. There is change coming into your life because God has chosen you. Lord, I want to drink that cup of favor, right? Lord, I'm chosen. No matter what the world thinks of me and the scenarios and the places that I walk around in, I am chosen. Even with my strange accent in another land, I am chosen. Doesn't matter how you look, how you sound, how you dress, what you do, God wants to choose you. So how do we get chosen? I love this part about Moses. Moses was serving his father-in-law. Moses was shepherding the sheep. You know what? If you want to get chosen by God, don't sit around waiting for it. Don't sit around thinking, well, I've got nothing to do. You know, we can sometimes live in this thing called FOMO. Anyone heard of FOMO? Fear of missing out. There is no FOMO in the kingdom of God. You're not going to be the last one waiting to be picked in the team. There's no fear of missing out. Sometimes God wants to do something in your life. God wants to do something in your workplace. God wants to do something in your family. And we can be so afraid for it to happen that we actually don't do anything about it. But God chooses people who are in the process of taking action. Let me just read you this. Action attracts. We are chosen while we do something. Listen to the list of names in the Bible that God chooses when they were doing something. Moses was serving and working for Jethro, his father-in-law, when God called him. Gideon, even though he was full of fear, Gideon was threshing the grain. Samuel was serving in the tabernacle. David was shepherding the sheep. Elisha was plowing with the oxen. The apostles, they were fishing. Even Matthew, the apostle, he was collecting taxes. They was doing something, and God chose him. We're going to remove the fear of being left out. There's no more FOMO. We're going to say, Lord, whatever you put in my hand, I'm going to do something with that. You know, I want you to know there's a favor coming on us even in this season. Trevor talked about a new season, a season where we're going to sow seeds, a season where the ground has been watered, a season where the seeds that we sow germinate and bring in but a full fruitfulness and harvest. Do you know how God wants to confirm that by this? There is favor coming on the everyday activities, the things that you put your hands to because God is choosing you. What was in Moses' hand? It was a shepherd rod at that point. He had something to do. God chose it. What was in Elisha's and the widow's hand? When There's so many miracles in the Bible about this. There's a guy called Elisha and, and uh, there's a widow who uh, is running out. You're going through a time of lack, a time of need. Anyone know what that feels like at the moment? And God tells the prophet Elisha to ask the woman, what's in your hand? What's in your house? And she said, only a little bit of oil. That was enough. Jesus did a miracle and he fed 5,000 people. How did he do it? There was a little boy. What did he have in his hand? Two fish and five loaves. It was enough. What's in your hand? When God chooses you, you are enough. When God chooses you, what you have in your hand is enough. 
Don't think, God, you can't choose me. I don't have enough. Don't think, God, you can't choose me. I'm not quite doing anything. Get moving in what you're doing right now. God is going to put favor upon your hands. Lord, put favor upon the the work of our hands. Lord, put favor upon the harvest and the labor of this church. Lord, put favor upon that. Lord, put favor upon the food next door. (laughs) Multiply it. I want a pakora. I want some mooses for everyone. What is in your hand? There's a favor of being chosen. Listen to this one. With God, there is a favor of not being defined by your failures. Let me tell you, this guy called Moses, we, we read about him in this story. Here he is coming to a burning bush. God chooses him just as God's choosing you. Moses was 40 years. Say 40 years. 40. Now, listen, I'm an impatient guy. I get annoyed at the McDonald's drive through sometimes when my double Big Mac takes its time coming through. Like 40 years is a long time. He had been a prince in the land of Egypt, growing up with luxury and with opulence. But he had made a mistake. He knew there was a calling on his life. He knew that he had um, a call from God to be a deliverer, but he did it in the wrong way. He went out and he tried to do it in his own strength, and he ended up murdering an Egyptian. And he thought he could cover it up. He buried the man in the sand, but the next day he tried to stop his own people from fighting. And they said to him, are you going to kill us just like you killed the Egyptian? Do you know what? He realized he had done a mistake. He realized he had failed and he fled. And he had spent 40 years leaving the palace of Pharaoh, leaving his, the place that he was born and called to actually lead and reign. And he was just leading sheep. The Bible actually calls it the backside of the desert. You're allowed to laugh at that. It's okay. We can be free in the house of God. That's where he was. He had gone through a failure. But praise God, he doesn't define you by your failures. He still comes to Moses. He says, Moses, I'm choosing you. Your failure is not final because I'm choosing you. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you feel you've messed up, missed out on. God is not going to define you by your failure. But God is actually going to extend to you the very ability to grow out of it, to get through of it. If you feel you've made mistakes or fallen short, I have good news. God chooses you. And how? See, this is what Christianity is. Christianity is the truth that there has been provisions made for your failures. That's what Jesus on the cross is. It's truth that God has made a way for your failures. That's even what baptism is as we come later on to these six precious people. And I want to tell you I'm so proud because my daughter is getting baptized this morning. Praise the Lord. And yes, you can excuse me to be a proud dad, but here's why. If you are waiting for breakthrough for your children, if God can do it for us, he can do it for you. And my, my daughter, I don't mean to embarrass you. She's incredible. She's been amazing. She's been on her own journey. She's, she's been so desperate to meet God and God met with her. If God can do it for us, he can do it for you. God has such a symmetry. When I was 15, I also got baptized. And, you know, you can't make this stuff up. It's just God is good. So why, why baptism? Why is it so important? Because these people are saying that they have decided to follow Jesus. See, it's a personal, internal, private decision at first. You realize that God has been talking to you and speaking to you. You realize that you're carrying mistakes and you're carrying burdens. And you realize that you feel that you've done everything wrong. But then you also 
have this revelation, this realization that you don't have to carry it anymore. Because that's what the blood of Jesus shed upon the cross did for us. Forgiveness. Burdens released. A new day coming. And then in baptism they come and say, what happened to me privately, I want to proclaim publicly I'm a follower of Jesus. And when they go down in the water, do you know what it represents? They are dying to their old life. They are dying to their old self. They are dying to their old patterns. But I've also got good news. Christianity is not just a death to the things. You see, so often people come to think about Christians and they think that we've just got a big list of, a big list of things you can't do. You see, baptism isn't just leaving them in the bottom of the water with the list of things you can't do, the list of things you couldn't carry, the list of things you couldn't do on yourself. It's then lifting them back up in the resurrection life. That's what it is. It's leaving the old behind and stepping into new life. And this life isn't one that we live on our own. It's one that we live underneath the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Just as he was dead, crucified, dead and buried, wrapped in, in um, cloths and left in a tomb for three days. But on the third day, the stone was rolled away. On the third day, he rose again. Beth, good news for you. I'm not going to leave you in the water for three days. We'll try three seconds, baby. <laughs> Baptism doesn't save you, but it is a symbolism of what has happened. It's a symbolism that failure will no longer define you. What defines you? The resurrected power of Jesus Christ. What defines you? The Holy Spirit living in your life. What defines you? God saying, I've chosen you. You are my daughter. I've chosen you. You are my son. I've chosen you. You are my child, and I've got a good plan for you. That's what it is. You see, the other thing that happens then is we're not defined by our failures. But there's also people who've given their life to Jesus recently. There's, there's people, those of us who've been Christians our whole lives. And yet we still realize that there's things in us that we are getting wrong. There's things that we need to change. That's called conviction of sin. I want to tell you that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes in our lives and he puts his finger on a part in our heart and says, this needs to change. This is something that we need to change. And we can sometimes feel like, but what happened to all the grace? I want to tell you the grace that brought you into the forgiveness of new life is now not leaving you in that place. He wants to take you into something bigger, something better. And even if you feel like you're going through conviction, oh, but I just don't feel comfortable, Ryan. I just don't feel like quite right. You said that there's a favor in this house and I come in this house and yeah, I can see joy and I can feel that. But I can also feel that there's, there's something that I need to change in my life. That's right. That's favor. Because God doesn't want you to live in that place where it's going to cause you to be in chains. Where it's going to cause you to be underneath bondage. Where it's going to cause you to be in burdens. But here's the favor. You see, he said to Moses, take your sandals off. He said to Moses, take off your, your shoes. The place where you're standing is holy ground. You see, there is a favor to let go of the places where we've been. There is a favor to take off the shoes that have walked in the dust and the pathways and the dirt of what we've been doing in the past. There is a favor to take them off and to stand just as we are in the presence of God. Encountering God. There's such a favor upon that. You know, that, that's even how, how it works with our salvation. I mentioned that you might, you might have given your life to Jesus recently and he's been putting his finger on your heart. There's things that he wants you to change. Do you know that that still happens to me? 
You see, God saved me. He saved me from the penalty of sin at the cross. But then he wants to, me to work out this salvation step by step, moment by moment. There's some amazing scholars who say it better than I could ever say it. So I'm just going to say what they say. Okay? Here it is. God has saved me. God has saved you. God saved us from the penalty of sin. The punishment has been taken away. The price has been paid. Then he's also saving us from the power of sin. That everyday thing that we sometimes feel that we're struggling with, temptation, we sometimes feel that we're struggling with, difficulties. He's saving us through that. And we will be saved from the presence of sin when Jesus comes again. You see, even in Moses, here he is, he takes off his shoes, the outward, the external, and he's standing at the very presence of God, the burning bush. But what does he say? He reveals in his heart by the words that he says that there's still sandals that need to be taken off of his heart. There's still sandals that need to be taken off of his mind. Because God says to Moses, I've chosen you. Moses says, okay. Listen to these excuses. Why am I reading a bunch of excuses? Because we probably all said them ourselves at some point. Moses says, but I'm nobody. Have you ever said that sometimes? Let me tell you, God wants to take that mindset off. Sometimes we have this excuse, but what shall I call you? You know, he says to God from the burning bush, but what, who, who, what shall I call you? Who are you? I want to know you more. Some, what if the people or the elders won't listen to me? What if I'm not good enough? I stutter. I'm not good enough. Not what if I'm good, not good enough. God, I'm not good enough. Anyone ever felt like that? Let me tell you, there's a cup that Jesus will never run dry, that he's pouring out over your life. Lord, these excuses, we want to lay them to bed. And even though you might not be getting in the water this morning, what you can do is just like Moses took off his sandals, you can say, God, I'm leaving behind old mindsets. Lord, I'm leaving behind old patterns. Lord, I'm stepping in today to something greater. Lord, I want to meet with you even as Moses did meet with God at the burning bush. God, I want my heart to be so set on fire and meet Jesus for the first time. Moses also said this. This was another excuse, an inward stripping away that God had to do in Moses' life, not just the outward with the sandals. He said this. Somebody else can do it better. How many times have we said that to ourselves? How many times have we talked ourselves out of God's choosing because we said someone else can do it better? See, we are working our salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Lord, would you put a favor of salvation? Lord, would you put a favor of relationship? Lord, would you put a favor of discipleship upon our lives? I'm going to end with this. It's the favor of encounter. God wants to meet with you. Remember I said right at the beginning, mark out those words. God is watching. Just think about this. God wants to encounter you. So much, he wanted to encounter Moses so much that he set a bush on fire to get his attention. Now I'll tell you a little story. Over Christmas, and that's coming up soon, I know, we, we love to have a real Christmas tree. When I say we, I'm talking about the family at Trevor and Sharon's house. They have a real Christmas tree. You know, we walk in, it smells like pine needles, and it's all, it's all Christmassy and wonderful. But there's something fun that we like to do, and that's when Christmas is gone, we like to let the tree in the garden dry out until it's really, really dry. And we love to light it on fire. You see, revival fires by name, revival fires by nature. 
So one of the things we did, we, we let this Christmas tree dry out. It was probably, I don't know. I mean, we, would have, we, we couldn't wait any longer than summer, June. Maybe it was May. Maybe it was April. The, the leaves looked dry and brown. We thought, yeah, let's, now's the time to light this Christmas tree on fire. We got our cameras out, and, and we, lit the, we lit the match, and we ran away, and it didn't quite take. So, you know, you know Trevor. He's a trailblazer. <laughs> I know what this needs. This needs petrol. <laughs> so we doused the needles in petrol, sort of a bit more cautiously stepped back. You know, the next Sunday, people were asking me, Ryan, you like, have you been in the belly of a whale? Like, sign and a wonder. I'm like, why? My eyebrows had gone, you know, like, <laughs> like wow. You know. Anyway, so flick the match on this Christmas tree. I think, uh, I think you guys are thinking I'm sacrilegious. This tree, let's just call it a pine tree, okay? We just flick this match on this dry pine tree. Step back and poof. It was glorious, let me tell you. The heat, the flame. I'm telling you, I saw a couple of curtains twitching from the neighbors' houses. I did. I took a video of it. It had like all these shares and retweets. It was awesome. Why? Because we did something that captured people's attention. And it was a whole lot of fun too. But here's the thing. It was consumed. Probably 30 seconds. Maybe there was a few odd flames here and there for a minute and a half, maximum three minutes. And it was gone. Nothing but the sad, sorry little spike of a trunk left in the middle of the Christmas tree. You see, God put his presence on a bush in order to catch people's attention. He wants to catch your attention. God wants to fascinate you. God wants to captivate you. God is inviting you. God is beckoning to you. God is imploring you. God is drawing you. God is calling you. God is shining for you. He's revealing himself for you. And yet this tree wasn't consumed. You know, we are called to carry the presence of God. We are called to have that same fire. You know, that fire represents so many things. The Bible calls our God, Yahweh, Jehovah, Jesus Christ, God our Father. It calls Him a consuming fire. But He wants to come and rest in our lives. And we're not consumed. What does he consume? He consumes maybe those patterns. Maybe you have those, those bits of sin I've been talking about. He wants to consume it, the attractiveness to that. He wants to change you. He wants so to consume you. Ultimately, we're the bush carrying God. But here's the thing as well. Here's what favor does. Our God, even though that Christmas tree was gone in less than three minutes, nothing else to burn, no more fire, no more fun. Our God will not run out. Our God will not run dry. Our God will never give up. Our God will not be consumed. He has always got more to give. Why? Because he is, I am who I am. Even in the picture of the flame, he was demonstrating his character, his nature, who he was. And I want you to know this. Here's, here's something of favor. We can grab hold of this even for the season we're in. With God, we will never run out. With God, we will never burn out. With God, you will never be consumed. Whatever you're facing, don't face it by yourself. Face it with Jesus Christ. He has got a, a shining light. Now, now today, the burning bush might look like you see someone go down in the baptism and you just have a revelation. You might have even had it already in the worship through one of the songs. You had a revelation. It was your burning bush moment. It could even be me as I'm speaking to you. There's something of the words that capture your heart and you have a burning bush moment. 
Rest on that. There's favor coming upon that. God is here today to encounter you. God is here today to change your life around. And the final thing that I want to end on this, the fire. You see, a guy called John the Baptist, he said this in Matthew 3.11. Let me read it to you. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes someone who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. Whoa, there's sandals there as well? Check that out. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. We are baptizing you guys in water today. But when you come up, not only will you experience resurrection life, you will know the fire of the Holy Spirit coming within you. And for everyone here today as well, if you need that fire of the Holy Spirit, if you need that freedom of the Holy Spirit, that transforming power of the Holy Spirit, He is here for you. Because what is the ultimate favor that Moses experienced when he talked about the favor of the burning bush? It was this, when God said, I will be with you. This is the favor of the presence of God. And check what happens. Moses comes. He goes from, who am I? Here I am. To, to, to Lord, all these excuses. And God tells him that he's got a plan for him. And he's got favor because he's chosen. He's got favor not to be defined by his mistakes. He's got favor of encounter. But finally, he ends by saying, now Moses, I am sending you. Every one of you today. As you leave this building, and it might be later with full stomachs and happy hearts, you are being sent in favor. God is sending you. And may you carry and take that favor wherever you go. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.